Welcome to the weekly sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church of Murfreesboro. It is an honor and privilege to share this time with you. We love studying the scriptures and feel they are central to our preaching, teaching, and living of the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel. Our mission here is to grow disciples of Jesus Christ who know him, love him, and serve him for the transformation of Murfreesboro and the world. It is our prayer that God would use our preaching and teaching to do exactly that. If you have questions, thoughts, ideas, or just want to talk a little bit more about what you've heard today, we love to hear from you. Most of all, know that you are in our prayers as we listen together. Now, let's dive in. We are in Isaiah, the 40th chapter, verses 1 through 11. You heard Keith read just a little bit of this. I'm going to read some more of it uh, in just a few moments, but let's pray together before we hear from Isaiah chapter 40. Oh God, we are grateful for the glimpses of hope we see all around us. Help us always to see those glimpses. Help us to see them now in Isaiah chapter 40. Would you come now and open our hearts and minds to what you say to us today We thank you that your Holy Spirit is already moving, that our hearts are warm with worship, and that we anticipate what you will say to us today. We pray all of this in the strong name of your Son, Jesus. May the people of God say, Amen. You can read along with me on the screen. Uh, If you have a Bible on your phone or if you brought your Bible, let's turn to Isaiah chapter 40 and hear these beautiful words. Let us hear the Word of God. Comfort, O comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that she has served her term, that her penalty is paid, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sin. A voice cries out, in the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level and the rough places a plain. Then the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all people shall see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry out. And I said, what shall I cry? All people are grass. Their faithfulness or constancy is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Get you up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good tidings. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good tidings. Lift it up, do not fear. Say to the cities of Judah, here is your God. See, the Lord God comes with might, and his arm rules for him. His reward is with him, and his recompense before him. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms and carry them in his bosom and gently lead the mother sheep. The word of God for the people of God. And so we say, thanks be to God. 
We had big storms last night. I was already thinking about big storms as I was getting ready to preach today of a particular storm that came through some years ago. But then this morning, I thought of another storm from my childhood in Covington. We had a a tornado come through late in the night. You all know it's just like last night, really the same kind of a thing. My mother had gotten my little brother and me and put us in the bathtub. And I, I remember it being a a twin-sized mattress she had somehow drug in the tiny bathroom and put over us. It may have been a crib mattress. That may have been what it was. But somehow we were in the bathtub. My brother's head was against the faucet. I was sitting on top of him, and Mama was in there with us. And it got really loud. The, the storm was actually coming down our street, we learned later. But it got so loud. And then Mama got out of the bath. She got up and went out. And we heard, I heard her screaming at my father, who was in his recliner, fully reclined, looking out the window, watching everything go by, she said to him, he, he loved his recliner. He, it was a very, it's a sacred place to, for his, his recliner. She said, Van Shelley, if this tornado blows you and that recliner out of here, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> and my brother, he got really upset about that. He said, what did she say? What did she say? And I said, uh... I think we're getting a new recliner. <laughs> That's just how he was. He, uh, he did not like to go into hiding during a storm. He still to this day will go look outside to see what's happening. But I, I remember another stormy night right after we moved to Murfreesboro. Same kind of thing as last night. We had the weather radio going. We had Leland Statham giving us the rundown on where the tornado was on the ground moving along. We didn't know the geography well enough. We were trying to piece together where it was. You know, you create a mental model of where everything is, how it's moving through. We were really, we were really scared. And so we got Annabelle up. Normally, Annabelle would have slept through these sorts of things. She, in times past, always just slept and we would put her with us. And uh, she never knew anything happened. But th she was three and a half years old. She was noticing that things weren't good now. And so uh, she was very anxious. She, in fact, was, was terrified. And I was trying to calm her down. I, I just kept saying, everything will be okay, Annabelle. We'll be back to bed in just a little bit. Don't worry about nothing to worry about here. We're all just fine. But <laughs> she looked into my eyes at exactly the wrong time. And she, at three and a half years old, could see that even I didn't believe what I was saying. <laughs> I wasn't too sure that things were going to be okay, and she could tell it. She absolutely could, could tell that. The fear in Daddy resonated with the fear in her. And for the first time in her little life, she gave me this, this haunting look of doubt, a look that I will never ever, ever forget. Have you ever had to give a word of hope or encouragement to someone when you weren't exactly certain that you were right to be hopeful? Have you ever had to do that? <laughs> Have you ever tried to comfort someone with words that rang hollow in your own soul, but you, had to, you just had to carry on? Have you had to do that? Have you had to offer that comfort when you weren't so sure about it? Everything's going to be okay, <laughs> I think, I think it's going to be okay if you had to do that. It's, it's hard. I think the prophet Isaiah knew about this. Can, can you imagine Isaiah's plight? 
The people of Judah, the southern tribes of Israel, they've been taken captive by the Assyrians and then the Babylonians, forced to walk two weeks, 700 miles into what is now kind of the middle of Iraq. That's where they've, they've gone. Every time they look over their shoulder, they see smoke rising up from their beloved Jerusalem. The temple is in a pile of rubble. Every time they look back, that's what they see. All hope is lost. Rich and poor are journeying together. The only thing they have is what they can carry. Babies and old people are dead and dying along the way. Suffering is tremendous, yet still nobody knows. It's going to be 70 years before anybody gets to go back home. 70 years are going to pass. Somewhere in those 70 years, Isaiah the prophet is called to help these people understand that their sin is the cause of this exile. That's not a happy task for a prophet or preacher to tell people that you caused this, you brought this on yourself, and yet that's the message that Isaiah has for the people. And he's supposed to tell them <laughs> that they should have hope because God is going to do a new thing. Yeah, you caused this, but be hopeful because God is going to do a new thing. That's a tremendous challenge for Isaiah. Isaiah lives with them. He is one of them. He is living the Babylonian exile too, and he would have known his own grief and loss. He would have been well acquainted with the tremendous difficulty of trying to maintain your identity as God's people in this foreign land from which we might never return. He would have known about that. When you put all this in your mind and let it sort of swirl around, his, his beautiful words, comfort, oh, comfort my people, speak Tenderly to Jerusalem, says your God, and cry to her that she has served her term, that her penalty is paid, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. His words have a much deeper meaning when you realize the place from which they come. One of the founders of the Methodist movement that would later become our Methodist church, John Wesley, he found himself as an ordained priest in the Church of England having a crisis of faith. Whatever pile of theology and church dogma and politics Wesley had built his faith on, why, it was just crumbling in a heap. It just fell apart in every conceivable way. He said to his friend and mentor, Peter Bowler, he said, Peter, how can I preach to others if I do not have faith myself? Peter said, preach, preach faith until you have it, and then, because you have it, you will preach faith. That advice comes from Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. Wesley listened, and in time, the faith he preached changed him, and it is still changing the world. Isaiah preaches a word of hope to these exiles, not only Will the Lord deliver his people from their captivity? The Lord is coming to get them. He comes to them in the wilderness. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain brought low. The uneven ground shall become level and the rough places a plain. Then the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all people shall see it together. The Lord is not just going for a ride in the countryside. The Lord is coming to get us. That's what this is about. The Lord is coming to get us. 
It is a word of hope rooted in the power and presence of the creator God. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of God will stand forever. The revealing of the reality and power of God will stand forever. God's purpose of saving his people will be accomplished no matter what. Here in the worst kind of a wilderness, God will come. God will feed his flock like a shepherd, gather the lambs in his arm, carry them in his heart, and gently lead them home. Hope comes to the wilderness of God's people, and everybody will see it. Here is your God. I want you to think with me on this second Sunday of Advent about all the wilderness places in your life. <laughs> We've all got them, don't we? We've all got wilderness places, barren, rocky, fear-filled places insurmountable obstacles, painful memories, trauma, shattered dreams, empty hopes. We've all got wilderness in our lives. Hear the word of the prophet speaking into your wilderness. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill be made low. The rough places a plain then the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all people will see it together. You don't have to believe all of Isaiah's words. They are hard to believe. I'd say they were hard even for Isaiah to believe. Just know that they are becoming more and more true with every passing day. Into the wilderness comes hope. It's okay to try and believe that hope until it becomes true, though even the eyes of the prophet sometimes flicker with a haunting doubt. I still marvel at what happened that stormy night now about three years ago. Annabelle recognized fear and uncertainty in my eyes. Her own experience of fear deepened tremendously, but Rather than running, screaming into the night, sobbing uncontrollably or asking 10,000 questions like she usually does, she just asked me to hold her. That's all she wanted. Would you hold me? Not because my presence offered any relief from the fear, but because when you are waiting together in the wilderness of life, the warm embrace of a fellow traveler is often how you best feel the arms of your loving God. And when you can feel the arms of your loving God, you can face anything, anything with hope. Fear and doubt still flicker in the prophet's eyes. They always will until Jesus comes back. But the hope we share as we hold one another, why, it is hope in the name of Jesus. And it is the second most powerful thing in all the universe what is the first? <laughs> the love of God. The love of God who would leave everything to enter our wilderness so that he can love us back to life so that we can share that love with the world. This Advent season, we are learning not to trust in our own shaky belief, but rather to trust in the faithfulness of the one who comes to get us. Those who have ears to hear, 
let them hear. Thanks be to God. Amen.